This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Robery. And guys, I hope you are all having a great week this week. We are excited to be back with you for another episode uh, and to be talking duck hunting, man. We are getting fired up. I know we've been talking about that every week, about how we're super excited for duck season to kick off here in Louisiana. And uh, been busy, man, just been busy this week, everything work-related. Uh, it's been a long week, I have to admit. I had a couple of cold beverages when we knocked off yesterday. Uh, they were very well-deserved after a long work week, like many of you probably went through this week. And uh, and we decided to kick back yesterday when we got home and try to watch our, our LSU Tigers, which uh, we have a lot of news and a lot of uh, – you know, a lot of stuff out there right now around our, our, our state's football team. So it was a little disappointing to see us lose to Ole Miss yesterday. But, man, you know what? It's still better. Uh, anytime it's football season, that means it's hunting season. And it's still better to, to take a loss and be able to watch some football and drink some – knock back some beers and have a good time. Uh, just relax. So it's always a good time of year whenever that's able to happen. But, uh, but I hope you all are all doing okay. Like I mentioned, thank you so much for tuning in. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. Uh, we got a lot of good feedback from people asking questions, uh, which we always encourage on, on our social media platforms. Thank you guys for tuning in to the show, uh, whether you tune in on Apple Podcasts or it could have been Spotify. Several of you told me you listening to the show on. Uh, we appreciate it. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we always encourage you guys to reach out to us if you have questions or Hey, if you want to just prove us wrong in general, we talk about something and I catch myself. I go back when I listen to episodes every week that we, we do and I catch little mistakes that I made or facts that I threw out there that were incorrect. So, hey, we're not perfect. We do this. Uh, we do this for fun and to talk duck hunting and outdoors with you guys. And uh, and we're going to make some mistakes. So just uh, let us know if we do it. Let us know if you disagree with something. It's always good to to encourage that extra chat and us uh, and discussing things. So we, we really enjoy that. So, but this week, guys, we're just going to have, we're sitting, like you can see right here, if you're tuning in on our YouTube channel, watching this, uh, we're sitting right here. We're on the back porch again at my home in Gonzales, Louisiana. Uh, beautiful morning. We have some cool temperatures this morning. Not as cool as what next week's looking like. 
which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, we do have a nice, cool morning this morning, uh, a little overcast this morning. And, uh, and we're just going to sit down with you guys for the next hour or so, and we're going to talk duck hunting. We have a guest on the show with us this week, uh, Mr. Roland Cortez, who's a good friend of mine, and uh, who you guys, uh, if you listen to us for episode one of season four this year that we kicked off with Roland, we had Roland on the show with us, and uh, he brings a lot of waterfowl expertise to, uh, to you guys to be able to listen to and us to discuss. Uh, Roland's been around the block, man. He has been guiding here in Louisiana and Arkansas for damn near 30 to 40 years almost. So he's been at it a long time and, uh, and he's been all over. He has a lot of uh, knowledge of waterfowl hunting down South and he could share a lot of information with you guys. And, you know, him and I have struck up a relationship where we talk on a weekly basis a couple of times a week. And, uh, and he told me, he said, Jacob, he said, uh, I'd like to come back on the show. He said uh, throughout the season, he said, and uh, I could give some updates on what I'm seeing in the field, and uh, and we'll just talk duck hunting. So that's what we're doing this morning, guys. We're sitting here with you, drinking a good cup of coffee on the back porch here at my home, and uh, we're going to have Roland join us, and we're going to talk duck hunting. So without further ado, guys, let me go ahead, and I'm going to bring him in with us. I see him in the green room right now. He's sitting there chilling uh, up in north Louisiana right now, and uh He's going to be coming to us from Dave's Bayou Lodge and Outfitter, which is where he's located at right now, and uh, and doing some guiding and some uh, some preparation for this upcoming duck season. So we're going to go ahead and bring him in. So just hold on one second. Let me see if I can get Roland to join us. Roland, good morning, buddy. Good morning, Jacob. How are you, man? Good, man. Looking good, buddy. You like me, you chilling on outside, it looks like, on the back porch, baby. Yeah, I'm on the third floor of the, the lodge of Days Bayou this morning in Mangum, Louisiana. Man, I have to say, some people got living the life. Some people got it good. Man, I'm going to tell you like I tell everybody else, Jacob, I'm living the dream. Living the dream. You, I hear I hear you say that, and then every week when I talk to you, you somewhere, and you really are living the dream. So I'm jealous of you, buddy. I, I'm glad for you, though. Somebody got to do it. Yeah, I mean, and I'm glad it's me, too. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. Well, I was telling all the listeners that are tuning in, I said, we're coming. You are live right now talking to us at uh, Dave's Bayou Lodge and Outfitter. So you in North Louisiana. Of course, I'm down here in South Louisiana and Gonzales. So for all the listeners who aren't familiar with Dave's Bayou Lodge and Outfitters, what exactly is that? Um, Dave's Bayou is a the nice, you know, five-star lodging up in Mangum, Louisiana, which is around Winsboro and a little bit south of uh, Ravel and, and Monroe. It's right smack, you know, in the middle of, of the Beth River. You got the Tensaw, the Mississippi. Every bird that comes into Louisiana funnels through this little bottleneck of, of, of agricultural land um, right here in, in the northern part of the state. Yeah, that's a that's kind of a pinch point for all the birds to come that's through. Right, and and uh, besides, uh, you know, duck and goose hunting here. I mean, uh, they do exotics like red stag. They got you big white tail here. You know, two hundred forty class white tails here. So there's a lot of stuff going on here, dude. But yeah, sounds like it, man. You uh, now I know you're doing some guiding. You're helping out with the guiding on waterfowl. Do you also do some deer guiding as well, or what's the situation oh, for you? I'll I'll probably dab a little bit into that. Yeah, a little bit I'm, into I'm it. Mostly, I'm mostly into it for the you know ducks and the geese. 
Yeah, yeah, of course, man. Well, what's been going on, man? I know you and I have talked, chatted online through, uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. We uh, Last time we got together, we were talking. It was right around middle part of teal season, I believe. And uh, since then, now we're a little bit closer to big duck season opening. I know you're excited. I'm excited. I think we're all excited if we're listening to the show this morning. Uh, so what's been going on? What what, what you what you seeing out there? Um, we're probably – you know, seven to ten thousand speckle bellies on the farm. We we just started putting farm on Wednesday, so we're just getting water on it. But you know, there's ducks showing up. Uh, we seen some mallards, uh, lots of teal, pintails, gray ducks. You know, shovelers. Look, I'm looking right now. They got about six gadwalls circling this rice field right here by the by the lodge. So, I mean, there's ducks showing up, but the geese have showed up in in um, good numbers. And uh, with this next front coming in next week, I'm thinking by us putting more water on the farm. I mean, the ducks will show up big time, you know, next week with this next front. But every day we're seeing more and more ducks here. So, yeah, so that, sound, that sounds pretty promising. Um, yeah, looking at the forecast, that's a good point. I just uh, pulled up my weather because you know how it is. It changes every day. So I pulled up the forecast for next week. And uh, I know here in Gonzales, which uh, where you are, probably get a little bit milder temperatures. But here in Gonzales, we're showing uh, towards the end of the weekend, right around uh, Halloween going to be in the upper 40s so that's that's promising i seen here i think uh next friday is going to be like 47 here but next weekend i'm you know arkansas has their uh, early speckle belly season so i'm heading up to arkansas next weekend to shoot some speckle belly okay yeah where, where y'all going in arkansas uh, i'm going to start uh we're going to uh, shoot it yeah we're going to be going uh shooting a tv show for bayou wild tv ah we're all, gotcha. we are doing the first annual cajun invasion speckle belly hunt that's right. We I remember last time we talked with everybody, we shared some information on that. Um, and that's that seems like an awesome trip for, for people to be able to participate in. Did y'all uh, did y'all I know you were close to booking it last time being yeah, we, um, we fool. I mean, uh we kind of limited to twenty guns. That way there we can uh, only hunt two groups, but uh yeah, we, we're full up and everybody's uh, chomping at the bit to get up there. Uh, the reports and pictures and videos I've seen of the speckle bellies up there are just unreal. For some reason, man. These speckle bellies keep showing up earlier and earlier uh, every year. And they showed up about a week earlier than what they did the year before. But so it's looking very promising for next weekend. So be prepared to see a lot of dead speckle bellies pictures next weekend. Well, that's awesome, man. That's good to hear because you know what? Uh, I'm hearing reports all across the state where a lot of specks are showing up early. You're not the only one that I've heard that from. Uh, so that's a good sign, man. That's really a good sign for uh, duck season that's going to be opening up here next month as well. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, and a lot of the birds I'm seeing here, and uh, you'll hear me use the phrase chicken a lot. You know, um, what, what I call a chicken is a speckle belly with no bar. And typically, okay. when you see a speckle belly with no bar, means it's a young bird. Now, that's not necessarily so because we've shot banded specks already that we thought were chickens, young birds, and it come to turn out they were 14-year-old specks. So, you know, when you hear me say the term chicken, it's meaning a speck with no bar. So, okay. I've seen a lot of birds uh, the last couple of days with no bars on them, so meaning that they're younger birds. But like I said, going back to the band surveys, that doesn't necessarily mean so. Yeah. But it's looking good. Like I said, a lot of the pintails we're seeing here that don't have their colors yet, but you can tell their pintails by the white and the long necks. And we're seeing quite a bit of blue wing kills. We only seen, I, I know yesterday we were riding around the farm, we jumped four or five mallards, but it's mostly just, you know, early season ducks, you know, teal, gray ducks pintails you know a few shovelers but we don't have a lot of water on the farm but uh this morning 
the water is starting to show up pretty good last night. So it'll probably take us, you know, two or three weeks to get its full capacity because we've uh, managed the farm, expanded the farm more. We've got a couple of green tree reservoirs this year that we're going to be able to hunt in September. So we're going to flood all that too this year. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I can imagine once that water comes in, the birds will really start showing up for y'all up there, you know. So that's a that's a yeah. that's promising. And then it's super it's super dry too, Jacob, up here, man. It's like a dust bowl up here. And anywhere there's water up here, man, these ducks will pile up pretty thick. And if it stays dry for uh the opener, I mean, uh we're gonna we're gonna limit out really early because this is the only water around here. Yeah. It's crazy how much of a difference rolling there was between North Louisiana versus where we are down south, you know. We had a we had a wet summer, man, especially early on. We had a lot of rainfall. Uh, but you know, I have friends up north that hunt in the fields, and they said, "Man, it, when we were getting all that rain, they weren't getting all the precipitation that we were getting." Because they barely got any up here. Um, they give a chance Wednesday, like sixty percent. They're hoping to get a little bit. That way, there it'll it'll help on the it'll help on the flooding part. Yeah, yeah, that bring in some of that water for you. So well, right, you know, the the uh, rain will dampen the dirt some, and that dirt's not going to suck up all that water. Yeah, that we're pumping. Oh, that makes sense. Well, I, okay, so you, you talked about farming practices and days. Like, what, what type of uh, crops and stuff are y'all planning for a waterfowl up there? What, what's the situation up there? Well, you know, Dave's Bayou is a, work, is a, is a farm. You know, they, they plant rice, soybeans, and corn. But we also, you know, we, we plant millet in our rest areas for ducks. And then um, it's WRP, CRP land, you know. So um, they're, they're definitely setting it up. Yeah, you know, for perfect, waterfowl. Um, for waterfowl and they manage like so now we got all this green tree reservoir that we've uh, we've got you know plan that we're pumping up and um the future looks very bright for Dave's body as far as uh having different uh places to hunt well how, you know something Dave's body i heard about it really whenever you started talking about it this year i had never really been you know introduced to that name how long have they been in business for Dave's body has been in business since 2017 as far as Dave's body but before they kind of just lease blinds um, to hunters up here. Okay. Yep. And now they turn they turn it into a you know a lodging outfitter, and um, it, it's a five star lodging. I mean, it, it's it's a nice place. It from the pictures I've seen and what you posted on social media every day, it looks like a it looks like a, a, a absolutely beautiful place. Uh, you know, in North Louisiana, man. I mean, that's the it seems if you know through the years as. The waterfowl hunting has kind of declined. North Louisiana tends to hold pretty strong. That's always a great place. Like you said, it's a pinch point for those waterfowl to come and migrate down. They got to come through those areas. And where y'all are seems to be located in a, in a very, very good area. I know, you know, traditionally over the years, honey break places like that have always done real well. And the whole lodging thing has really started to boom now. You see a lot of places now in Louisiana popping up and uh, starting to open up that are, you know, you know, destination places for hunters to come down to Louisiana and be able to hunt and lodge. It's really a nice setup uh, when, yeah, whenever we, you visit those places. We're still probably an hour and, you know, 30 minutes north of Honeybrake. You know, Catahoula's to the south of us about an hour, 30 minutes. So we're not that – we're probably crow's fly maybe an hour and something from the Arkansas line. You know, if you look at Ravel and Monroe, you know, you, you – and you go straight south of the river, you'll see, man, we're right. Like I said, we got Beth River, Tensaw, Mississippi. Everything's kind of right here. Everything pinch points right through here. Yep. And Beth, Beth's an area that uh, that I've had some experience. We've hunted there, uh, you know, several years we've hunted there. 
Uh, that used to be a trip rolling that we take up there when we'd hunt public land. We'd go to uh, Beth and hunt public land up there, and I always enjoyed it. We did roll well up there. That was a, that was one of the WMAs that we always shot quite a bit of birds for opening weekends of duck season. And I've hunted Beth a little bit last year. We know the water got kind of high. It, it was good, you know. It wasn't um, as a, uh, it wasn't as good as years past, you know. Um, but we still did good. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's like everything else. It's public that it fluctuates. So some yep. years is better than others. You know, it's better than yep. others. So what else has been going on, man? I know last time we uh we had you on, we 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 talked about kind of the outlook um for the season going, you know, coming up. I mean, now seeing what you've seen so far this, you know, <coughs> between till season and where we are now, what what are we expecting? What can we expect as Louisiana waterfowl hunters this year, in your opinion? You know, uh we'll start with um, you know, Canada. You know, um where everybody was kind of worried about the you know the breeding population which we don't have the you know the data we've got two years of missing data on on you know our breeding counts but the reports i'm getting from canada is that man the duck hunting was phenomenal yeah uh, i had some buddies of mine uh they were in north dakota last week and they shot mallards you know and, and speckled bellies and canada geese you know just about every day said there was no shortage of ducks so if 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 we stay dry like it is now um it could be it could be one of these seasons like um you know 97 or, or 98 when it was dry and the ducks just went all the way to the coast because missouri's dry all these other states are kind of dry to the north of us so I, and i'm predicting that when the ducks do show up i mean the, the marsh hunting should be good too um with all this and um i think the first split should be really good for everybody yeah, I agree with you on that. I've been following, you know, all the reports from up north, the seasons that are opening up, and they are seeing good numbers of birds for the most part. Uh, the the good sign, and you kind of touched on this a while ago, is juvenile birds. They are seeing, you know, good numbers of juvenile birds that are showing up and being killed. And I know that was a big concern for a lot of the predictions early season because of the, the drought up north and the potholes and, you know, a lot of the birds having to go to the boreal forest in that area, they were worried about seeing juvenile birds this year. But it seems like they are killing good numbers of juvenile birds, you know, so that's a good sign. But, you know, uh, Jacob, I am worried about these two years of no data, man. Because um, we we're going to have a lot of missing information on, on uh, breeding count because when, when they're going to do this thing, maybe next year, and they do the breeding count, and it's extremely low, we can go into a restrictive season really quick like this. I don't, I don't like not having two years of data on these ducks. Yeah. I, I was talking with a buddy of mine, Roland, the other day, and he said that we were talking about the same situation. We, uh, He's worried. He said, man, I'm real worried about them lowering the limits and stuff like that, okay. you know, what we could take. Some of these biologists that I've been talking to are kind of worried about it too because, you know, this the last couple of years, man, the, the juvenile birds have, have not been that, you know, have not been here. So yeah. I, I really do think we're having a, a low breeding a breeding count you think the low breeding in your opinion the low breeding situation you think it's a drought issue is what what's causing it that's what i'm thinking too you know that this drought up there is, is hurting the, the juvenile birds you know they're, they're not breeding not having enough young because in order for louisiana to have you know a good season we have to have a lot of juvenile birds and that's why you know in the nine is when the ducks number started to go up louisiana was killing so many ducks for us because we had all these juvenile birds and Right now, from what I like last year and years past, all all you're killing is adult birds, and you can tell 
because th- these birds are hard to hard to work they're hard to kill they're hard to hunt yeah and it just makes it tough on on the hunting and you know everybody likes to talk about january being good to duck hunt man january is always tough to kill ducks because you're shooting you're shooting adult birds man i mean they've seen it all and you know and, and that's why i like to hunt early I, I mean the earlier the season opens for me the better it is i mean yeah yeah, you made a point of that last time we talked. You you kind of brought something to my attention that I, I wasn't thinking about. You said, you know, you said everybody wants to talk about January. And growing up, that's how it was. Coming up, it seemed like in Louisiana, January was always solid. You know, um, it seemed we, like that's when we'd get our big push of more birds and more birds coming into the state. Uh, so traditionally, I always heard my dad and him growing up saying, hey, January, second split's where it's at. That's where – you want to really buckle down. You want to hunt hard. You want to focus on on getting those those limits. And then when I talked to you, you know, when we had episode one this season, you mentioned you said, "Hey, I, I, throw all that out the window. I want to jump on them first split. First split's always better than the second split." And yet, you made a really good point because I, I noticed that over the last several years, and we all of us listening could probably agree with that. Those birds in the second split. A, there's less of them, it seems like, nowadays. And B, if they are there, they're a lot harder to kill. They're a lot harder to work. They're they're much more educated. I've, I've termed it as being educated birds, you know. Um, and that's that's the truth. I do I do agree with you on that. You know, now, like, you know, Jacob, my opinion differs from everybody else. And everybody's got their own opinion. But I've been keeping duck records, man, on my number since 95, I think, that I've got. And... I've always shot more ducks first split than second split. I'll hunt the same amount of days, but I've always shoot more ducks. And why? Because there's more juvenile birds. You know, we hunt in the marsh, man, or whatever. And there's, you know, we don't typically kill a lot of mallards in the marsh at that time. We were killing some, but it was mostly gray ducks and green winged teal and blue winged teal. But once I started headed up to Arkansas, you know, January used to be good. I used to wait for December, you know, mid-December into January, because that's when you get your biggest push of mileage up there. But, man, these last several years, January has been tough in Arkansas. And, you know, my best hunts will come in November and December before Christmas. We'll shoot the most mileage. And after that, these ducks are tough to kill. They become nocturnal. You know, uh, they feed at night. And you, you can't kill a duck that feeds at night. And then the only time you'll have a good hunt day is when it's raining. It could be sunny in the morning. And in the afternoon, the rain will come. You'll go to that same field. And there'll be thousands of ducks in that field. And it's yeah. just because that these ducks know that um, they know they, they, they pattern humans, you know. And a, a duck might have the, a brain the size of a pea, man, but they'll pattern a human in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. And you're starting to see that more and more every year. You know, and um, there's something you mentioned about, you know, as far as you know, becoming nocturnal, that man, they becoming like pigs, it seems like, or, you know, deer that move at night. The ducks seem to be doing that now more and more because of the hunting pressure, I'm assuming, you know? That's right. That's right. You know, um, hunting pressure, the biological clock of a duck will make a duck do that, you know, because on these full moons and then these ducks, no boom, I'm getting shot in the morning. I need to, I need to move midday. I mean, a, a, it doesn't take hard for an animal to figure out what, a, what humans do. Yeah. And, and, and and I preach this all the time, uh, Jacob, that pressure management is key today into holding and killing ducks, man. you got to have more than one place to hunt. And I know it's hard to say that when you hunt public land, but yeah. when you hunt public land, man, you can move around a lot. You don't hunt the same spot. Like when I'm hunting public land, I may not hunt the same spot 
twice in a week or even twice in a month because when I'm hunting public land, I'm scouting for the next day. I'm finding a better spot to hunt. Yeah, and that's a that's a very so, good tip for those who are trying to get into it that are going to be hunting public land this year. Stay moving. Stay mobile. You know, you may not be able to, to hunt the same hole because you have success in it one day. The next two or three hunts, you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to find something new. Now, you know, at, at Dave Bayer, you know, they have uh, – we guide out of four pits here. Okay. You know, we don't run – we don't run more than – three groups a day so but we have more options now we don't we very seldom we're running more than in two groups you know we'll run three groups a day but we run two guys per pit you know you hunt the 30 foot pit you know we got anywhere from six to eight guns but we pressure management each each spot you know we, we, we try not to hunt it every day we'll, we'll mix and match you know we'll, we'll pull numbers and, and stuff like that because this place here man it's it, on, on, you know, it's a flight day, but we also try to hold birds in, and, I, and I'm really happy by what they do here as far as trying to manage the ducks. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, they're doing a good job of trying to keep that pressure off of uh, off of those areas consistently and, every day. You know, going back to you know me, me coming here, you know, I, I met a, a a friend of mine that that works. You know, he's the head guy here. You know, uh, uh, Tater Jilly. You know, he's the one that that. Uh, Help me here. You know, I've, I've been trying to get in Dave Bayer, man, for like three years now, you know, working at it and getting to know the owners here. And then uh, finally the opportunity came for me to, to, to come here. And it was a perfect business decision for me to, to, to come here, man. It, it, it's a family atmosphere here. You know, uh, everybody's friendly here. And it's just a great place to be. That's good. Sounds sounds like a pretty cool place, man. I'm glad for you. That's like I mentioned that you got on uh, over there because uh, from what I've heard from you and since then, I've looked into it, and it seems like it's nothing but good people up there, and it's a it's a good situation for you, man. But um, so hey, something that I want to ask you, Roland, and, and and this is up for debate. Of course, it's a question that everybody has an opinion on. But we were talking about weather conditions a while ago, uh, each season changing. Now, traditionally, you know, growing up, everybody wanted to have more cold weather down here in Louisiana, and I'm talking specifically Louisiana here when I ask you this, but traditionally fronts you know you always you always grew up here and i want to hunt the front i want to hunt you know those birds that are coming in with a cold front we need cold weather to get those birds here but over the last probably five to six years from my experience some of the most successful days that i had hunting public land here in louisiana have been on warm kind of south wind days you know and i want your take on that what's your opinion as far as weather conditions and successful days that you've seen versus non-successful days with weather patterns here in Louisiana? Well, I'm, I'm, first off, I'll talk about, you know, growing up, you know, the weather-wise growing up. You know, growing up, everybody wanted a strong, they wanted the cold, strong north winds to hunt ducks. You know, we were hunting mallards in the swamp, so that's what you wanted. But, it, but you know, when I started breaking up, once we started hunting in the marsh, over the years I've seen, I've seen it change to where you don't want a north wind, you want a south wind. And another thing, too, I, I noticed is that you don't want to hunt the day of the, you know, you want to hunt a day or two prior to the front and then a day or two after the front. And, man, and you're like, well, why? Because the day the front's coming in, the wind's pushing hard, north wind, the water's pushing out the marsh. So that means that the next day you ain't going to have any water in the marsh. So it's usually the day after or, or, or usually a day or two after the front passes that you want to go back. And, and I'm not saying that you couldn't kill ducks on the day of the front because I've done it. But it just seems that the better hunting are 
two days prior to the front and then two days after the front. And it's why? Because the wind's coming out of the south. It'll blow to the north and then it'll shift again to the south. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially in the coastal areas. You know, uh, hunting, you know, in uh, Wax Lake or hunting a Chafalaya River, you talk to these charter, these uh, tugboat captains, there's ducks four and five miles offshore in the Gulf of Mexico on the north wind. The ducks can get against the beach and not be affected by the north wind. But on the south wind, they got to get up. They got to go inshore because the wind's, wind's beating them up out there in, in, in the Gulf. Yeah, that makes a lot of and sense. Then, and then everybody says, man, well, what's a duck doing in the Gulf? He can't eat out there. A duck's not out there to eat. He's out there to get away from hunters. Yeah, they're getting away from the pressure. That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, man. you've heard the reports through the years, like the guys, all you guys who hunt Wax Lake Outlet, you've seen it. Those ducks will move away from all the hunter pressure, <laughs> and they'll go raft up out there in the, in the, in the middle of the water out there. Uh, where there's no pressure on them. And that's what they're doing. I mean, and, and even in these reserves, Roland, all these reserves like Catahoula Lake and, you know, uh, Dewey Wheels, all these places that have big water reservoirs around them, those birds learn, like you mentioned earlier, and they'll 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 get up, you know, at daybreak and they'll fly to that open water and just raft up. That's what they tend to do. And, and like I said, Jacob, I'm not saying I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a professional, you know, or whatever, but I mean, that's just stuff I've learned over the years from hunting. I mean, I don't want anybody to think that I'm a, I'm some you know fancy duck hunter. I mean, I, I just knowledge that I've grown over the years. Everybody's opinion is different on ducks, you know, and, and what they do in different areas you hunt, you know. But uh, it's just stuff I've picked up over the years and and, and learned, you know. Yep. Well, and and I'm I'm kind of I'm rolling off the top of my head questions that people ask and and just stuff that we debate as far as Louisiana goes. Number one species of ducks that you see in Louisiana over the last decade. What what is it? Man, gadwalls are, are always will always Louisiana's number one duck. You know, gadwalls and, and green winged teal are pretty much your everyday duck when you're hunting in the marsh. Yep. You know, yep. I, I mean that's the first thing you'll you'll probably shoot in the marsh besides, you know, green winged teal, you know, and and I look I love me some McMax now. I love me some tat tats when they're when they're out there in the marsh. <laughs> I hear you on that. I hear ain't you. nothing. There ain't nothing like a gray duck in the morning, man. Bam, 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 bam. Oh, I know. I know. Man, the gadwall is, you know, and that's become, I agree with you. I think gadwall is the number one species that we see here in Louisiana now. You know, a lot of the old time guys, they say the mallards, you know, where that was the it, king, it, you know? It was. And it was. Grow, growing up, you know, hunting in the swamps of Louisiana in them, you know, 80s when I was a, a youngster. I mean, mallards was king, man. Mallards and wood ducks were the two ducks you shot every day. A gray duck and anything else was a bonus duck. You know, you'd go in there at the time, you know, it was a, was a, a restrictive. It was three ducks. You'd go in there, shoot your, your three drakes or your, or two drakes in a, in a hen, you know, whatever you wanted to shoot that morning. Or if you didn't want to shoot, you only wanted to shoot one or two ducks, you know, you'd go in there, you'd shoot your ducks and you'd leave. And mallards was king back in them days. And, and it, it's hard to think that. You know, mallards don't come to Louisiana anymore like they used to. No, you just don't see the numbers that and we had at one time. I'm I'm not a mallard um, Jacob. Don't get me wrong. I love to shoot mallards, and you know everybody likes them green heads. But man, I'm a I'm a, a pintail and widgeon type of man. I love pintails and widgeon. I shoot them every day, all day long. Yep, that's your ducks that you like. Yeah, uh, Jackson. You know, it's funny, Jackson, my son. You know, Jackson now, and you got to know him and. He uh, that's his bucket list bird rolling this year. He wants a widgeon. That's what he's telling me. Yeah, I, he said, Dad. He said, if I don't care if the season's not a great season, he said, I just want to kill a widgeon this year. And you know what? Well, we hunt in the Chaffalaya Basin up at you know where our camp's at, Sherbin, all those areas. 
uh, we do get some widgeon up in that area. So I have a widgeon on the wall right now at the camp that I killed a few years back, a beautiful Drake widgeon. And I told him, I said, you have a chance there to kill them. But you're starting to see more and more widgeon now. It seems like the, a lot of the, the widgeon go to Texas now. You know, every year the numbers in Texas on widgeon are pretty high. That seems where to be where a lot of those birds go. Yeah, and, you know, uh, looking back at my records, you know, we used to shoot a good – a good amount of widgeons, you know, in, in the nineties and into the early two thousand. Now, being that I, I don't hunt the the marsh as much, I mean, um, like hunting in these fields in Arkansas and everywhere else, you know, we still they shoot a good bit amount of widgeons, you know, um, up there. I think last year I may, I might have shot uh, eighty widgeons out of my my blind in Arkansas last year, and I mean that wasn't bad, but most of them widgeons came early, you know, in November and early December. But boy, when you shoot one in January, man, he's all soldiered up got that pretty cotton top on his on his head yeah yeah he does man the one i killed uh several that's probably shoot i guess about six seven years now where i killed that one it was a solo drake widgeon and i told a story on last episode uh, about it how that happened but uh man i mean it, that was right around i think it was right after new year's you know <coughs> that, you know in january sometime and it, it was beautiful it was fully plumed and man when i dropped it i said that that sucker's gone on the wall uh, I'm with you. I love widgeon, man. And widgeon, you know, widgeon are a very vocal bird, man. They got that little, that little three note, you know, beep, 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 yep. man. And they're, they, uh, they're, they're a nice bird. And I was, man, like I said, going, going back to speaking about Texas, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, you know, man, they shoot a lot of widgeons up in, in on dry ground on wheat fields. You know, a couple of years back, uh, we went to uh, Cherokee. Uh, Oklahoma and hunt and uh, man we were hunting Canada some lesser Canada's in a, in a wheat field man we were shooting widgeons on dry ground I mean coming in big flocks at a time yeah and that's odd because typically we've always known widgeon to be a marsh bird down yeah. here you know and but um it just seems a lot of these birds are, are headed down that central flyway and I was even uh, amazed at the number of pintails but again you know when people only hunt in Louisiana and you never hunt nowhere else you you don't know what you know um what other states kill you know that's right. That's right. Unless you follow it, you really don't have that, that idea. You know, I had a I had a good buddy of mine. He's in our camp. We have a camp together, uh, Jared Hughes. And uh, over the last couple of years, he started going up to Oklahoma. He started hunting Oklahoma a good bit. And he told me, he said, there's a lot of widgeon that they see up there in Oklahoma. Uh, they yeah, were okay. mallards. I mean, they, they kill mallards. <laughs> That's a given uh, where they were hunting. And they hunt these little farm ponds rolling. You know, they, they get permission from somebody. They go out there and they hunt these little foreign ponds, and it's a cow pond, basically, is what it is. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and that's kind of what we hunted, man. We drove in the middle of a cow field, and they had some willow trees in the middle of a pond, and that's kind of where we set up. One day, we had a mixed bag. We had mallards, widgeon. Uh, we had a couple of diving ducks. So we shot some green link teal, you know, but it was we didn't go up there to duck hunt. We went up there to shoot Canada's, you know. And like my, Most of the time when I'm traveling, I'm wanting to shoot something that I don't normally shoot in ducks. I shoot ducks every day. Now, if I can get on a good mile of shoot, I'll shoot them. But yeah, I just like, I like to go shoot Canada's because Canada geese are just something I don't get the opportunity to shoot a lot of. And I love shooting Canada's and watching them hit the ground. Cause boy, they make a big thump. I bet they do. It sounds like a sack of potatoes dropping out of the sky <laughs> pretty much. It does. But you, you know, know and, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and a lot of times, you know, hunting in Oklahoma, you're not shooting big Canada's you know, you're shooting lessers and cacklers, you know, so a I cackler, see. Is about the size of a, of, of a mallard, a little bit bigger, and then you're shooting these lessers. You know, lessers are pretty pretty nice sized bird. Yeah, but yeah, uh, definitely. Man, 
when you shoot them and it's dusty, they hit the ground, man, you see the dust fly. Yeah, that's got to be pretty cool. You know, growing up, Goose on my, my experience, Goose on, we used to, uh, I grew up in Evangeline Parish, and my parents were, they lived off of Highway 167. We had Miller's Lake, uh, which was a, a lease lake for duck hunting. It's a family-owned and operated lake. And uh, we used to creep those geese in the fields rolling. We'd, we'd literally get on our stomachs, and we would crawl Ooh. through the mud in the fields, and we'd shoot geese that way. And, uh, man, I remember that was such a good time that we had doing it. But I've never had the experience to really go out and hunt in a lay-down blind like you see on TV, that type of stuff. And uh, that that's just something I'd, I'd like to do. I, I want to do that. That's on my bucket list. Oh, man, it, it's fun. I, like I said, I hope every year, man, that I get the opportunity to go to Oklahoma and Kansas. I want to go to Nebraska. I'd love to go to Utah. I mean, there's so many places. I'd love to get out on the Pacific Coast and hunt ducks like California, yeah. Washington, and, and Oregon, places like that. And I'd love to um, – you know, just shoot birds that you don't, you know, typically shoot in the, in the um, you know, in the flyway, man. But uh, things are looking good, man. It's promising, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm getting fired up, you know, blowing duck calls and, and uh, you know, getting duck, my duck calls tuned, spec calls tuned, you know, getting ready to go, getting clothes packed and just getting ready to start, you know, hunting. I mean, I'm, I'm ready for next weekend, man. I've been speckled bellies of what, of what I love to hunt. I'm fired up by shooting them specs next week, and I've been hearing specs every day I've been here, and I'm sitting down right now watching a couple couple hundred of them crawl the highway, man, and I just I just love hearing them speckle belly. Man, I'm so jealous because I'm watching you right now. For those of you on YouTube watching us, you can see Roland. He's sitting on that – wherever he's sitting on the third floor of Dave's body right now, you can see you overlooking a rice field, man. I, that's got to be a pretty good if, view. Is there a way to change the camera view and I can show you the the, the what I'm seeing? Let me see. I got it, man. I don't. Let me see, Roland. Let me see here. For those of watching on YouTube, let's see if we could. Uh, I don't know if change I can my camera. If I can change my camera view to where I can show you, I'll show yeah. you what the third the third floor looks like. Going. Um, I think you'd have to turn your camera around, Roland, uh, because on our end, it's just going to show towards us. Give me a give me a minute. I'm on my laptop, so it's a little different for me. Let me see if I can change. And guys, bear yeah. with us. We uh, for those of you on YouTube, this will be beneficial if uh, Roland can show you this. But Roland, I can no. definitely tell why you messing with Watch. that. I can, I can definitely tell that well, you got a little bit more pep in your step this I, week. Look, yeah, there you go. There you go. That's what I'm talking there. about. So yeah, you you got a little bit of water in the rice fields. It's yep, looking no. like. That rice field behind us is, is just a, it's just a, a, a root, a, a rest area. We don't hunt that. Uh, we flood that just for the client, the customers can watch birds in the afternoon and by the fire and stuff and watch birds roost and stuff. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good view, man. You got right there. That's not, that's living the life for sure. Yeah. And like <laughs> I said today, I, I'll probably leave out of here uh, sometime after lunch today. We've got, we've got another big group of speckled bedded crossing over there, but, um, we got a little bit of uh, blind brushing this morning to do and, and stuff like that. Oh, uh, uh, and get all this done. But yeah, man, I'm 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 fired up. I'm I'm ready for next week to shoot them speckle bellies and you know um it's definitely uh getting that time of year, Jacob. It is. I could tell. Like I, I don't know if you heard me when you were trying to turn the camera around, but I could t definitely tell you got a little pep in your step. You're getting man. close. I live for I live for these sixty days. This these sixty days are what I live for every year. That's awesome, you know, I, man. 
I think we all like that, Roll All of us that have it in our blood, man. It's just it's something you cannot explain to people who don't hunt, you know. And, and uh, God has bl uh, blessed me with with an ability, and you know, put the right people in my life to to let me live the dream that I've always wanted to live. You know, growing up as a kid, man, reading fee industry magazines and reading about all these people that hunt ducks everywhere, man, it, it's been a blessing of mine just to run around and, and get to hunt different places and meet the people I've met that that's helped me get to where I'm at today. Yep. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, relationships, man. Good people have good things happen to them, and I firmly, firmly believe that. I'll try to live my life by that, Tell, teach my boys that way. You know, it's it's you treat people right, and you're going to have good things and blessings in your life come to you for sure. So, well, well hey, off-the-wall question, Earl, you talked about, you know, when you were a kid. What's the first What's the first gun, shotgun, waterfowl shotgun Roland Cortez ever had? Man, I had a 410. Stevens crack barrel that my grandpa gave me. That I shot my first two ducks with. Four ten Stevens. Uh, go try finding some four ten shells right now, Roland. Man, I ain't even gonna look because people are asking me for four ten shells. Man, I, I need four ten. I bought Jackson a four ten a couple of years ago because uh, he wanted a waterfowl hunt with a four ten. He was asking me for one. I bought him one, and I, I can't find ammunition hardly anywhere for it. And I've looked online and this and that. Or if you do find it, they want sixty dollars a box for. 410 shells i'm pretty good on, on ammo right now like i said i've been buying everything that i can find and dave Bayer has a pretty good uh, supply up here for our customers and for for us so um we're looking pretty good you know simmons has a lot of ammo right now uh, so you may have to travel a little bit but man when i find ammo i'm, I'm trying to stockpile at least five cases yeah yeah and, I, and I'm, pretty, I'm blessed I have, I have, I've stockpiled through the years, so I'm not real short on steel shot ammunition for sure. But, uh, but I had a squirrel hunting this year. I had a little trouble finding lead. I, I don't stockpile it lead was. like I did I do it still. I had trouble too, but I had four or five boxes from last year and I ended up picking up some more. But, but this year, my biggest goal, man, is I'm going to hunt with my 20 gauge this year. I want to shoot ducks and specs with my 20 gauge this year. That's all I'm going to hunt with is my 20. So, I've kind of been buying a lot of ammo for my 20 gauge instead of my 12. So you find, are you find, having, you, you've been able to find some 20 gauge as far as steel yeah, goes I've, on? I've been, uh, I've been having the order. I ordered me a, I ordered me a, a, a case of boss, uh, Bismuth, and then okay. I ordered me a case of, I ordered me a case of Apex, um, performance, uh, steel shot. So I got a little bit of mixture here, but, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, shooting the 20 gauge all year. And I'm going to pick up more 20 gauge than I can. When I go back to Simmons, I'm going to pick up a case of um, Federal Blue Box 20 gauge, you know, steel shot um, just to have an, an extra case, you know. when If you could do me a favor, whenever you come across a, a box of 20 gauge bismuth, pick me one up. I would really appreciate it. I'll pay you for it because uh, I don't know if you heard this, but I picked up a 20 gauge that I want to hunt with. It's a 1928. Ithaca Nitro Lefevre Special uh, wow. that I picked up at a pawn shop I come across earlier this year, and uh, when, the guy the guy who owned the pawn shop he knew it was an older Ithaca, and I, I was kind of familiar with the Lefevre Nitro Specials, uh, just a cool old gun. But then whenever I ran the serial number on that thing, I realized it was from 1928. So that's a gun that I want to make at least one hunt with this year, and I need to get Bismuth for that because obviously can't shoot steel in that thing yeah and that's kind of what i've been doing you know and then, uh i'll probably run by max next weekend and see what they got up there and look at some duck calls and whatever else i can 
maneuver up there. I'll probably go to Richmond Tone, see what's happening up there. But man, next weekend is just gonna be fun. Just shooting speckle batters, hanging around with Don DeBue and Martha Spencer and Bayou Wild TV and just having a good time. But I'm just looking forward to blowing that spec call next weekend. <laughs> you ready to get going. So when's the show? I know Bayou Wild, you said it's gonna be featured on there. When's the show gonna air for everybody to be able to watch? Well, if you go on YouTube right now, uh you can pick up season six, which we shot. Uh, a TV show with Don last year uh, by Wild TV, but this one, this one here is going to be uh, season seven. So it'll probably come on uh, probably later, later this year. You know, maybe January or something like that. I, I'm not quite sure when is it going to air, but um, if if everybody you know uh, keeps posted on my social media platform, they'll probably catch pictures and and stuff like that from it. Yep, yep. Hey, yeah, I saw season six, and that was that was, that was a great show to watch. A lot of action going on. So that was that was really really good. And now you mentioned I know you have a big fascination with duck calls and speck calls and goose calls. And that's something we didn't even talk about with everybody last time. You said you you told me after you said we could talk about that. I could do a whole show on that. So yeah, your man. fascination with with duck calls and goose calls. How, how did you? I know you've done some competition calling for those of the guys listening right now to the show. Kind of kind of touch on your history as far as. Uh, competition calling and, and your fascination with, with duck calls and goose calls? You know, everything that I've ever accomplished, you know, guiding and hunting, man, it all started with me learning how to blow a duck call. You know, when I was younger, man, I was just fascinated by a duck call, learning how to blow one. And probably about um, you know, maybe 95, I started blowing in some local contests, you know, just little meat stuff. Um, Got my butt kicked a little bit because I kind of didn't know what I was doing, but once I got figured out on how to build a routine up, man. I, I mean, I started, you know, uh, placing in contests and started winning some and, and then, uh, you know, moved up to the big league, started blowing in Main Street. And Main Street, I kind of struggled with a little bit till I met a guy called Butch Richenbach from the owner and founder of Rich and Tone Duck Call. And, yeah. man, he pushed me to, he pushed me to the, to the point to where, you know, I once, uh, I went to Maryland, won some regionals in a few different states and I've, I've, the closest I've ever come in the world, I was 16th in the world, you know, blowing the Stuttgart back in 2013, 2014. And uh, kind of after that, you know, Bush passed away in 2015, and, and I kind of just lost it, lost the interest in it, which in Main Street, but I started blowing and was, was called up. Now there's another one called a, a cutdown contest, which the world cutdown. The world cutdown, I've done really good in being from South Louisiana. We don't know nothing about no cutdown calls. No. No, I was about and to say. I, I picked up a cut down and blew in my first cut down contest and took fifth. And I mean, I, I was second runner up in 2019. Wow. Um, and first runner up, you know, through the world cut down. And I haven't blown any since because I've kind of, I've kind of done everything that I've set out to do. You know, I mean, I, I've won probably 30 contests over the years, and I've placed in in, in number of contests and. I just enjoy contest calling. I enjoy judging. Right now, I'm all about teaching people how to blow a duck call, you know, how to sound like a duck and judge duck calling contest. You know, I was asked to judge the the Gator duck calling contest today, but okay, come to, I had to I had to come up here and I really couldn't make it. But I enjoy judging, you know, duck and goose calling contests, and I enjoy uh, you know teaching people, especially kids, man, how to blow a duck call because. You know, growing up, I didn't really have any. My, my my grandpa, my dad, they really didn't blow duck calls. We just hunted ducks. You know, not nobody really blew a duck call back then. 
You didn't have to. No, you didn't have to. But, you know, nowadays, you know, I I just love teaching, especially kids, man, how to blow a duck call, man. And uh, I enjoy seeing that fire in in a in a kid's eye when he learns how to make that first quack on his duck call. And, but man, duck calls and goose calls are just my fascination. I just love making sounds with them. I love, you know, uh, you can you can manipulate the sound or sound like what you're hunting, man. You know, you're you're speaking the language. Yeah. And, um, you know, watch. Well, I wanted to show you this is this is this is really my hunting land. You know, from all the years. You know. Okay. I got an, you know, I got an old duck commander whistle that I've been having forever. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think everybody got one of them on their lanyard right now. I blow a hell. I got I got my bag of goodies. I'm trying to find. I may not have brought it up. No, I guess I didn't. Might be in my truck somewhere, but you know, I've got a bunch of different you know calls that I like to blow. But so. Roland, for, for you were talking about teaching, you enjoy teaching kids how to start blowing duck calls and stuff like that. If you could give a, a father who's listening to the show, whose son's maybe getting into waterfowl hunting, he wants to teach him at a young age, what's a good call for for a child to start out with? You know, there there are two types of duck calls. There's a single reed duck call, and there's a double reed duck call. You know, a double reed is pretty much what everybody's kind of started on. I started on double reed, which I started on a duck commander, and I started on a Haydale DR85. A Haydale DR85 has probably killed more ducks than the avian flu. And with a DR85, and I recommend it, it's a double reed, but some people don't like a double reed because, you know, you can you can make more sound out of a single reed than you can out of a double, but a double reed, the duck's already built in. All you got to do is put the air in. A single reed, you have to put the duck in it. Okay. I'll just show you this. See, look, this is a this is an echo XLT. I like this call because it's more of a mid-range call. And, and here, it's a single reed duck call. You just you put the you just put the air in it. You blow some warm air and it goes. Yeah. I don't have a double. I don't have a double reed on me, but a double reed, the ducks. You know, built in. If you don't put the duck in, all you get is. And if you put the duck, yeah, the duck you comes could. Out. But a double reed, a double reed's a little different. You know, you put your air in, and the duck, you know, come, you know, blows some warm in, then it comes out. Yeah. And that's pretty much. If I was a, a father looking to buy a kid a duck call, I'd get him a dr eighty five, and I'd get him an old whistle. You can't go wrong with a whistle, man. It's easy to blow. You can make all and make all what? kind of calls with this, and you cannot go wrong with a whistle, man. Nope. Pintail, widgeon, teal. It, it, it kind of, you know, uh, uh, mallard. It, it kind of covers everything. A whistle is a great, a great investment, I think. And hell, you can pick them up for five bucks at, at, at your local sporting goods store. You can go to Walmart, get you a Duck Commander, a green one for like six bucks at Walmart, man. And, and, and a kid will have a blast. You can't go wrong with it, no matter what he does on it. He can do. It still sounds like a bird. It doesn't scare birds. That's right. Like a, like a mallard. It's not like a mallard call. Okay, so don't put down that lanyard yet. For all of the guys watching on YouTube, that's your, is that your lanyard that you hunt with throughout the season? Yeah, that's that's it. Okay, so what's on Roland Cortez's lanyard right now before duck season kicks up? Show, right show now, us what I've you got. got. I've got an Echo XLT single read. I've got a duck commander whistle, and then I've got my, my little uh, – 
dog whistle. Little dog whistle. So basically, two calls you got on the lanyard. That's it. Yeah, I mean, now I have other lanyards. Like I said, I always carry a gear duck call, uh, duck commander. I've got probably the first one that's kind of come out from back in '96. I carried a gear duck call, a Mallard Drake, but I, I don't like having all them duck calls on my lanyard, man. I just like having. I, I'm a. I said, I just like putting this on my neck. And I got one duck caller. I may have another one. Like I said, I may add another duck call because my, my other go-to call must be in my truck. You you ain't got and, enough room on that lanyard because of all that country boy bling you got hanging off of that thing. That's your, that's your problem. Oh, man. I've, I've, got, <laughs> I've got some more now. This lanyard now, like I said, some of these some of these bands on here I've killed, and then some of them um, come from my, my dad and my grandpa. You know, and, um, That's pretty cool. I've got, I've got 10 bands that I've killed on here. And then the rest, I think there's 22 on here. And then I have several more at home that are on birds. But so, like I said, I've got three generations of bands on here. And, you know, speaking of bands, I've got one on here that I've shot in uh, 2003. It was a Mallard Drake. It was banded in uh, 1982. Wow. In, in Michigan. This Holy bird was like, this bird, this Mallard Duck was 23 years old. Imagine how many times. That duck has made it to Louisiana and not get shot. That's amazing, Roller. What's the oldest? That's a. I mean, I've never. I don't know if I've ever heard of one that old that's been killed and banded that they know of. I mean, what's the oldest bird you've ever come across that you've heard of? I mean, there are Canada geese and there are camelbacks. You know that make it up to thirty years old. Damn, I didn't realize that. That's that's amazing, man. To make it down that many times. That's an educated bird. By the time they uh they they eventually. Harvested, I guess, huh? You know, last year I didn't. Usually, the, the blind that I was hunting in Arkansas, I shoot anywhere from you know five to seven bands a year. But last year, um, I didn't kill none out of my out of my pit, out of my blind, and and uh, and on the farm that I hunted, I think there was only three or four bands that were killed. You know, you know, guy, you know, we see a lot of bands come through it because we're hunting every day. You kill enough numbers of birds, but yeah. I think on a good year, on a good year. All the guys, you know, we'll probably shoot 14, well, the customers are shooting, you know, 14, 15 birds. I don't get the opportunity to, to kill that many bands anymore because I'm not really, I'm not really hunting for myself anymore. And then, so most of the bands that do get killed, you know, they're, they're for the customers. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure their experience is good. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I'm, I'm not the type of guy to where, you know, I, I take the bands, you know what I mean? Uh, they, yeah. they hunt, they pay for the hunt. It's their band. They, they figure out what they do with the band when it's killed. That's right. That's and that's probably the way to do it, man. You'll keep them coming back and happy. They'll be asking for you. I think on here I've got uh, mallards, model ducks, wood ducks, eagles, pintail, and I got two speckle belly, two speckle belly bands on here. I don't have any snow bands. I have, I I've seen some snow bands and Ross bands, but I ain't had the opportunity to get my hands on one yet. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, look. Now, we, Go ahead. Most of the, most of these bands come from Louisiana. I've got some that I've okay. killed in uh, in Virginia. Uh, I got it in Virginia for a year. I shot four. I actually personally shot four bands in Virginia. Man, I was impressed. I shot two Canada geese, and then I shot uh, a mallard duck, and I shot a ringneck <laughs> that had a band on it. <laughs> so Virginia, Virginia was pretty good to you, in other words. Yeah, man. Virginia was a different ball game. You know, growing up and hunting the Mississippi Flyway, and then going hunting the Atlantic Flyway. You don't see the numbers of ducks. If you see a hundred ducks in the morning up there, you've seen a lot of ducks. But most of the ducks you're shooting up there, most of the ducks you see, you're killing is what I'm saying. So if you see, yeah. you know, tw twenty ducks in the morning, you know, you'll probably kill twenty ducks. Really? 
Yeah, that's the. I don't think of Virginia when you think duck waterfowl hunting and duck hunting. No, I didn't think about it either. Lots of Canada geese up there, man. But uh, and the duck hunting was pretty good. Just just uh, a lot of local ducks, you know, a lot of mallards. Um, pretty much what you shoot mallards and black ducks. I went up there to shoot black ducks. I didn't kill a black duck, but I yep. shot everything but a black duck. Really? So they have a wide yeah. variety of species, then. Yeah, we, but it was mostly mallards we were shooting, man. Uh, that's pretty much what you shot every day on on the on the creek with mallards. Mallards and Canada geese. Canada geese. You know what's funny? I know you have a passion for Canada geese, and those of you listening, you can tell Roland has a place in his heart for Canada's. But a lot of people don't know this, but Louisiana, years ago, 100 years ago, Roland, we're talking, Canada geese were, were actually a bird that we had thousands of them would come down here and, and winter down here in Louisiana. And, and what, was, I mean, what was the deal with – with, I mean – I know I'm sure it relates to every other opinion that we talk about when we say why we don't have as many birds as we used to, but what in your opinion kind of drew, changed that and, and drove those birds to other areas? Is it habitat? Corn in the refuge system. What's it, wait, what's that? Say it again. Corn, ethanol, corn in the refuge oh. system. You know, okay. Back in the, you know, if you go if you read the book called Waterfowl of Louisiana, if you get that book. It'll, it'll tell you everything you need to know about, you know, short stopping, you know, about what happened to the to the state of Louisiana. You know, you look at pictures back from 1920, they're shooting hundreds of Canada geese in Venice. Yep. And, yep. you know, I don't think I've ever seen a wild, I mean, a wild, let's say a wild Canada goose in Louisiana. You know, most of the Canada geese, you see a park geese, they're residents. Yep. Yeah, resident geese that stay here year round. But so much has changed, man. Uh, they short stopped the Canada geese from coming. I mean, Illinois don't even get them like they used to. Canada geese are staying so far north, and you know, same things happening with duck, with with mallard ducks. You know, they just stay as far north as possible. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that could be a whole debate that we talk about on why all that stuff's happening. But uh, you know, we're getting close to an hour. I appreciate your time, Roland. But uh, I want to ask a couple, just a couple of more questions. What? I had somebody that chimed in and told me to ask you. They wanted to know. They, I told them you were going to be on the show this week, and it's a, it's one of the younger guys. He messaged. He listens to the show on a weekly basis, and he uh, he asked me. He said, "Ask you what shotgun?" That was two questions. The one I already asked you was, "What was your first shotgun you had?" You talked about a Stevens 410, and what shotgun do you currently waterfowl hunt? Because he's looking to buy a semi-automatic shotgun, so he wants he wanted to, me to ask you that. My my gun of choice is, is I shoot a first generation Super Black Eagle. Okay. So, me, meaning a first generation, meaning it's not the 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 H and K. Yep. The first is the first Benelli generation of a Super Black. Now, everybody says, "Well, man, why you shoot a Super Black?" I shoot a Super Black Eagle because I want I, me being a guide and being a hunter. I want a gun that's going to perform every day, no matter what condition. And my Benelli shotgun goes bang every time I pull the trigger. Amen. I'm with you on that. Now, my second gun of choice, if you can find one, is a Winchester Super X3, if you can find one. Super X3. It's a very reliable shotgun. If you can find one, I'm looking for one now. If I can find one for a backup, that's going to be my backup shotgun. But, man, I lo- I just love my, my, my Super Black Eagle, and I love that, you know, them ancient, them ancient Ks and them uh, first-generation ones just because they're – 
they're the original ones. They're made up. They're made a lot better than the ones are today. In my in my opinion. Yeah, I remember that those they impossible to find nowadays. That was some of the best shotguns Benelli ever made. And the Super X3, I remember, you know, back in the day when the Super X3 came out, super reliable, excellent platform that gun was built on. That's and right. uh, and you're right, Roland, you don't see them used anymore, hardly come up available. You know, the, the, the Benelli is an inertia gun. You know, it, it's, a, yeah. a, it's a recall gun. And the uh, Winchester is a gas gun. And, yeah. man, that Winchester is smooth. It's, it's, it shoulders perfectly for me. And, and uh, I'm hoping to find one in the pawn shop somewhere or a good used one because that's gonna be my my uh my second runner up when that when uh for my Benelli. Okay, so we know what gun you, he's shooting now. Other question that I got was to ask you was wildlife management areas, Louisiana. What's some of the best in your opinion in the state right now that's still that's still producing uh, some birds? As far as what you <laughs> what you would recommend, this guy. I'm, 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 this was from Jeremy. Jeremy sent me this, and he asked me to ask you this. Uh, he listens to the show, and uh, he said, man, he said, I'm looking to stay mobile this year, public land. He said, ask Roland. I know he don't have maybe a bunch of experience right now. He said, lately, hunting public. I said, no, he does. He hunts public. He said, but wildlife management areas, ask him, where should I be going this upcoming duck season or, or that he can maybe help me out with? Man, I said I, I'll probably get get bashed for it by telling my by telling some of my spots, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't have to get too specific. I definitely look at you know the the, the Venice area. Venice. You know, I, I definitely look. I definitely look around the Homa area for some public land and the you know, Market City. You know, stick around the coast, and if you wanted to venture north, you know, I'd look around the you know Monroe area and and, and stuff like that. You know, I I hate to. Tell people my spots, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, hey, I, I'm with you. And, and like I said, we don't need to t get specific spots, just general. But Venice, I mean, Roland, in your opinion, Venice probably number one, correct? Hands down. And along the coast, yeah. Hands yeah, down. along I the mean, coast. Gotcha. I got gotcha. you. I, I would agree with that. I think year after year, if you're able to go down to Venice, Louisiana, it's a, it's a you're dangerous. Kill. It's a it's a dangerous spot, place to go. Now, I prefer a first time and go with a guide. With yeah, I want a couple too. good guys. If anybody's looking to go to Venice and don't want to um, take the chance on the first time, some friends of mine, uh, Limitless Waterfowl out of Venice, they run a they run a good guide service, man. They kill a lot of ducks on some private property in the Venice area. Uh, and what's that name again? Say it again, Rollo. What's the name of it? Limitless Waterfowl out of, out of Venice. Uh, okay. Good friends of mine, Kevin Drury and uh, – and Pat and Brad, they run a great operation down there. They all hunt all private land in Venice. They shoot a lot of ducks. If somebody wants to go down there, not looking to pull a boat for the first time or just looking to get on a good hunt, man, they're very reasonable in the price. So, I, I mean, if I look at them before, you know, venturing out alone going to Venice. All right. So, Jeremy, if you, I'm, I know you listen in Limitless Waterfowl uh, out of Venice, Louisiana. And if you need to get in touch with those guys, if you're interested in possibly booking a trip with them, uh, hit me up again and let me know, and I'll get you in touch with Roland and uh, the guys uh, over there down in Venice. So, but I, I, that was my suggestion to him, Roland. I told him, I said, if I had to pick any, any place public land, that's a wildlife management area, I'd go down to Venice, Louisiana, if you have the access to it. But I agree with you, too. Very, very dangerous. If you don't have experience down there, uh, it's not something you just want to be jumping in the Mississippi River 
and running up and trying to find some spots. You, you need to have somebody with some experience because every year, tragically, we hear stories of people losing their lives down there that uh, just aren't prepared for the conditions down yeah. there. So, Venice, but, uh, Venice, is a, Venice is a dangerous place, man. It could be, like it could said, be very dangerous. I recommend anybody that attempts to go down there, I definitely go with a guide first or go with somebody that knows the area. Yep. Man, that that river, that river is treacherous, is dangerous, and I just recommend that for the first time. Yep, yep, I I agree with you on that. So, well, Roland, look, buddy, I'm gonna let you get out of here. I'm gonna, uh, I know y'all got some blinds to brush, and you're gonna be heading back home, I think. So you got to hit the road. So I just want to thank you for being on the show with us again, man. We I know we talked about you coming on throughout the season. We're gonna give everybody some updates once we get this whole thing kicked off. And uh, I want to wish y'all good luck next weekend, man. I know y'all going to have a big weekend and have lots of fun. So good luck, and oh, yeah, uh, I'm thank you. I'm looking forward to it, too. Like I said, I'll send you some pictures next week and give you a report from up there. And you can, if you make another podcast, you can put it on there. And if, if anybody, want, like I said, wants to follow me, I've got Facebook. You know, all my social media platforms are there. They can hit me up on there if they got any other questions, you know, duck calling tips, duck calling help. You know, uh, duck reports. I mean, I'm more than willing to help anybody that wants to wants to pick up information from me. That's right. Roland's very active on social media, like we are. Uh, he's posting every day on Instagram, on Facebook. So, if you have any questions at all, especially uh, all the guys who are beginner hunters, you kind of shy. I find that a lot of the beginners they're shy to ask questions, especially in their group of guys that they hunt with, because they don't want to look like they don't know it. Hey, hit us up. Hit Roland up. Let us know. And uh, we'd be glad to help everybody out. So, Roland, anything else? Go ahead. And with the technology today, man, if anybody wants to, you know, learn how to blow a duck call, I mean, with, with this video chat stuff, I mean, I, I can video chat them from anywhere in the country and, and teach them how to blow a duck call over the over the phone, you know. So, that's right. like I said, I'm, I'm, if anybody wants to learn, I'm more than willing to teach anybody. Like I said, I'm very humble. I'm, I, I'm not afraid to help anybody. And if, I'm always willing to learn new things as it goes, too. So. But if anybody needs any help or anything, questions or whatever, they can sure hit me up on social medias and, and I'll be willing to help them in, in any any way I can or form. But Jacob, hopefully, hopefully we can get together and, and, and put your put your son on some birds this year for the youth hunt. I'm gonna try my best so we can line up a hunt. Um I, I'm not too I I think I'm gonna be up here for we're gonna we're putting on a big youth hunt up at Days Bayou. Yeah. Um I'm going to talk to um, to the owners and see maybe how many people we have. Hell, I may be able to get y'all up here and, and do the youth hunt up here. Oh, he he'd be he'd be ecstatic about that. I promise you. So I appreciate that. And uh, if not, hey, if not, we'll we'll work something else out. We're going to definitely make a hunt this year. We Roland and I talked and we said we're going to actually we're going to get together. We're going to hunt this year. We're going to do a podcast from the duck blind like we did last year, guys. So I think that would be cool. Hopefully, you guys would enjoy that. Uh, doing a live podcast from the Doug Blind whenever we hunt this year. So looking forward to that. We're going to make that happen for everybody who listens to the show. So, well, yep. Roland, thank you, man. I appreciate you being man, on. Jacob, thank you, bro. I can't thank you enough for letting me come on this podcast and, and you know, talk about what I do in my life and, and everything else. And, man, I'm just I'm just humble. And like I keep telling everybody, I'm just living the dream. But if anybody wants to get a hold of me, Jacob, I'll, look, my, I'll put my phone number out there. If anybody needs, wants to book do a that. hunt, anybody wants to do something, you, know, you can give me a call at 985-414-4997. And like I said, if, if I don't answer, 
uh, just leave a message and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. But it can be about anything or just talking ducks. I love talking ducks. But, man, I'm just humble, uh, Jacob, to do what I do, man. And I appreciate you letting me come on here and tell my story, man. Man, like anytime. I, I say it, and I'll say it again. I'm just living the dream. Living the dream. That's right. Hey, we, we'll have you on anytime, Roland. You're welcome anytime. So thank you so much, man. And uh, we'll see you. Uh, I guess we'll get a report from you next week, man. We'll see what, how it all goes down. Sir Jacob, look, man, you have a good Sunday today, and I'm going to get out there and brush some blinds and look at some birds. That's right. You go take care of it, man. Thank you, Roland. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jacob. Have a good one, man. You too, buddy. Well, guys, that's it for this week's show. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, all of our conversations with Mr. Roland Cortez. He is up at Dave's Bayou and Lodge up in North Louisiana. I mean, what a place, huh? That place is absolutely phenomenal. For those of you watching this on YouTube, on our channel, you guys got to see kind of the surroundings while we were on air with Roland. And uh, just an awesome setup, man. So anybody looking to make a, uh, you know, take a, a, a world-class waterfowl hunting trip and that may be interested in doing it for a business or a bachelor party or just a group of friends who want to get out and make a, a, a memories, making a phenomenal hunt, uh, get in touch with us, guys. We'll put you in touch with Roland. You, you got the phone number on how to reach him, and uh, we'll get you in touch with him. You can book something up at Dave's, uh, or we can book a trip with Roland and, and get you guys out on some public land, possibly hunting, and, uh, and go out with a good guy who has a ton of waterfowl knowledge from what you guys have heard him talk about, and, uh, and just a good dude in general, man, just a good guy. So, uh, Hit us up. We'll put you in contact with them. But more importantly, guys, I hope y'all all enjoyed the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. And this is Jacob. That's all I have for this week, guys. We'll do it again next week. Until next time, y'all visit us on social media. In the meantime, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Check us out. Like, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit that like button and hit that share button. We'd appreciate it, guys. Y'all take care. See you again next week. Hey, guys, Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Are you looking to protect or give your firearm a fresh look? If so, let Wrap It Up Cajun Customs take care of it for you. We specialize in custom vinyl wraps in your favorite patterns from Mossy Oak and Realtree, as well as many others. Request a quote now by visiting us on Facebook at Wrap It Up Cajun Customs or give us a call at 985 985- 687-3953. This episode is also brought to you by Benoit Performance Baits. Bait and tackle for all your fishing needs. Benoit Performance Baits offers some of the best soft plastics for bass, sackalay, and saltwater fishing. Whether it's a day on the water trying to catch a mess of fish for a family fish fry or a heavy bag to win a tournament, we have what you need and what the fish want. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok to place your order now.